This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. I am Eric Saar, co-host of this podcast. I speak with my microphone and I hear with my headphones. And I'm joined by my trusty servant, Patsy. That's the first Monty Python thing out of the way. Yes. I I wear a tea towel around my head. (laughs) With some sort of paper on it. Hello, Eric. Are you ready for this one? Uh, I am. uh, I think this will be an interesting one. I... I have very, 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 very mixed feelings about what what I've just watched. I'm confused. I am very confused because on the one hand, watching this, on the one hand, to quote Monty Python again, it is a silly place. To be. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But on the other hand, there is a subtext to this story that is actually quite concerning, I think. Yeah, it's... I, I was all because I know we we've got a downer on season four, and I haven't watched this episode since probably the VHS days, and I think I mentioned last week that this 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 episode holds a a little not a special place in my uh, in my mind, but certainly something because it was the very first television program that I recorded on a VHS machine. And it it's it has a weird a weird place in my Blake Seven history because of that. But I'd I'd sort of forgotten everything else about it, other than the fact that I thought originally thought it was a load of old pony. It was it's just terrible. But I, I'm I'm conflicted now on this because on the one hand I I enjoyed our our guest of honor, Gunsar, even though he's terrible. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the choices made, and I enjoyed bits of this show. But then other bits, I, I felt, I felt almost like I'd been violated myself. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's so tonally inconsistent, and what it's espousing <laughs> is is so conflicts with what I consider to be right and proper it's weird it's a, it's what who would have thought such complex emotions coming out of of 45 minutes of of silliness mm. now th- who would have thought indeed the person responsible for this is a guy by the name of ben steed okay yeah I didn't now recognize he also the name. pardon me i didn't recognize that name at all he did two other stories um, right. in uh, Blake 7. One of them is uh, Moolock. Right. And the other one is The Harvest of Kairos. Oh, your favourite. Yeah, but, and when I think of this story and those two stories, there is a connecting yeah. theme, you're, which you're is ab- the portrayal of women. Yes, they're very... It's very... Um, 
misogynistic, isn't it? The the tone is very Gene Hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, from Life on Mars, that sort of 1970s quite is... repulsive thinking. It see, I don't I don't remember watching this first time round um at all. I can't remember it. And my abiding memories of this story is Gunsar, and it's all a bit, yeah. you know, lightweight and a bit silly. Um, and I had quite forgotten, um, you know, the other aspect to this story. But yeah, when you actually think about how Jarvik is in the Harvest of Kairos yeah. and how, you know, the Federation uh, men in Moloch uh, treat the women in that story, um, there is this a coincidence or not, Ben? You know, uh, mm, it... Yeah, it would have been disturbing back then. It's even more disturbing now, you know, uh, in this modern age, isn't it? Well, my worry, and it's it, it's very hard to 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 think what we would have thought back then. My worry is that it wasn't shocking back then, and that a majority of people would have watched it and gone, "Yeah, you tell them, everyone." Yeah, mm. I. Uh, that's my worry, and I. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's a. I don't think it's a coincidence. I. I can't see it being a coincidence because none of the other writers went down this path. I mean, I, I, I when I was sat watching it, um, and I almost felt like turning around to Anne and apologising for just every you know what i mean just blanket apology for this episode for um, men basically for men and, yeah <laughs> and and she actually made a very good point now uh, as i said she's coming to it differently that she's she's got no she's coming to this clean almost she's got a few memories from childhood but not didn't watch it on it she's no idea she we're watching it out of order which is just, that's a challenge anyway. And uh, so I had to start this episode with and it's questions like, where are they? Where's the Liberator? Where's Zen? Things like that. <clears throat> um, so I had to explain that. And then it got to the the scene and uh, she goes, who, who is this? It ain't Avon. And that's mm. just from someone that's watched, uh, I mean, what episode are we up to now, Eric, on this? This is episode 14. 14. So she's watched 14 episodes. A couple of them she's not paid attention to, has to be said. But in just that time, she knows that this is not how it should be. No, no, not at all. Well, we'll be talking far, far more when we do the episode on Pella. Because, again, it's one of these stories where you've got two distinct characters uh, with two separate tales. So we're going to be saving um, uh, that for that, okay? So we're going to skip all the Pella scenes. We're going to skip all the Seskia scenes and focus on Gunsar. Okay? Gunsar, which is a, a much happier proposition. It is, it is. I prefer, out, out of the two tales, I know which one I prefer, definitely. Yes. Yeah, it's... Um, <clears throat> I got the feeling... <coughs> pardon me. I got the feeling watching this of watching late 70s Doctor Who. Mm. The, the look and the sort of the... the the very broad storytelling um i've come to expect from blake seven more political storytelling cleverer storytelling and this is a very simple uh tale and it looks gordian it looks silly but 
I I rather enjoyed it. I rather mm. enjoyed the totally miscast actor that plays Gunsar. <laughs> uh, I I thought if you're going to do this sort of thing, there's two ways to play it. Is it? You, you could have played it as the Schwarzenegger-esque barbarian leader, and he didn't. He decided to play it as if he's playing a next door neighbour in a sitcom. You know, ah, the next it's one funny you should mention yeah. that because, uh, yeah, when, when we talk about the actor, yeah, they've got something to say about that. Oh, right. Because I, I, but... I sort of recognised him and I didn't. I knew, and I don't know whether I recognised him from this. <laughs> I don't, you know, he's one of the, he's got one of those faces and he's got a terrible wig on. But he's playing it and I, I laughed out loud. You know the, the little scene where he's doing the uh, embroidery? When he's doing his sewing. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's, that's, that's brilliant that 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 shows a level of of genius that the rest of the episode doesn't the other half doesn't uh doesn't uh, portray and it was like i i i fell in love with gunsaw at that point you're absolutely right that was a laugh out yeah. moment when it yes because it just cuts to him there and he's all by himself doing his embroidery yeah. you know <laughs> and i that was just brilliant i i thought yeah yeah whoever whoever that I don't know whether that was in the script. That's a direct. That's the actor's choice. But it's, well done, mate. Whoever whoever yeah. did that, well yeah. done. And and you're right. You know this this reminded me a lot of um, um, late seventies Doctor Who's the stories yeah. where you would have computer technology in a medieval setting. You yeah. know, like State um, of Decay State of had Decay, it, didn't I, it? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say State of Decay. Even to the the silly headdresses that mm. reminded me of state of decay but yeah so this was this i don't know this seems to be a science fiction trope doesn't it of the the medieval society that also has advanced technology and and they they never seem to realize that the advances don't work isolated they sort of they they almost get away with it in this because of the 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 story that it's um uh, Kato, that made me laugh. So Kato, yes. and he's <laughs> hiding it from Gunsar, but then he's not very hiding it very well. So it didn't no. quite work, but that that could have worked. But yeah, you don't. It's it's like um, stories like, and I'm I'm probably like Krull and things like that, where you've got laser guns and swords. Mm. The Italians like doing this, didn't they, in their sci-fi films? Oh, very much so, yeah. yeah. Um, The two things just don't, you know, when you get advancements in one aspect of life, you get advancements in other aspects of life, and you generally don't get this style of society with any sort of advancements in uh, in other aspects. But, yeah, so it's all a bit silly, isn't it? I kept expecting uh, Graham Chapman to come on. Stop that, Gunsar, stop that. Very seems, often, yeah. Guns, Gunsar's lines in this, I mean, you, you know, as I said last week, I've decided to call these type of characters Swamp Castle um, yes. um, characters yeah, yeah. Um, as a nod to Monty Python, where you've got a very knowing script set in a, uh, um, in a medieval setting. And practically all of Gunsar's lines, you could have, um, yeah, one of the Monty Python guys saying them, yeah. couldn't you? I mean, even to the point where he's he's doing the the big speech and he forgets it that's yeah. that's that's uh carry on isn't it that's friends romans countrymen i know <laughs> yeah i know yeah that that's pure carry on and it's yeah and i loved it for it i loved this episode for that i never right. thought well, i'd say that about a season four episode especially this episode but i've got yeah just this part i've got diff, diff, not not the unsavory aspects of it it w- 
Do you think if it didn't have the unsavoury aspects, this story, you know, could have been one of the highlights of season four? Yeah, because I was expecting that they would go down the, the the route would be you've got the primitives but ostensibly in command males. You've got the downtrodden female. And again, this is a horrible sci-fi trope of the, the sex, the battle between the sexes type thing. But normally, whenever they do this, they go with the route that the women are actually the ones in control. They're almost treating the, the men like the children. And, the, you know, but they didn't. They, they just went with, yeah, women, women are the evil ones here. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, at uh, pretty much about the same time this aired, you had just had the two Ronnies doing the worm that turned, oh, yeah. didn't you? Which yeah. was a battle of the sexes with the women in charge. But this is like, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Ben Steed wrote for Benny Hill with the depiction yeah. of women. I mean, when we're looking to Benny Hill for a, a, a more reasoned depiction of... A moral high ground. Yeah, a moral, yeah. <laughs> if we look to Benny Hill to take the moral high ground, where have we got You're to? in trouble. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start. Let's start, shall we? Um, th- this story, it starts with that terrific silo shot of the Scorpio. Yes. I always love that shot. The money shot. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. And we go inside and we find that Villa can't open the door that leads to the Scorpio. Herculaneum. So you can't cut it? Can't cut it, burn it, blast it. Can you open it? You can or you can't. Very difficult. Very necessary. Well, unless, of course, you feel like living on nuts and berries for the rest of your life. Eh? Food, Villa. What we've got will last us maybe three weeks if you can't open that door. We can't get back to Scorpio, and without that ship, we're as much prisoners here as we were on Terminal. Yeah, Villa doesn't... uh, I mean, he gets a couple of nice one-liners in this, but it's not... It's not it's Villa's not his best story, out. is it? No, no. Almost immediately, though, we go outside and Avon's in a chalk quarry. Yeah. Um, and here now, in I, season... Sorry? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, and he's in what I think is one of Avon's best costumes. Hmm. I like this costume. Yeah, it's more substantial than some of them, isn't yes. it? It looks yeah. like... I mean, that looks pretty chilly day. I think he'd be all right in that outfit. Yeah, I don't think he was complaining about it on this. We're, what What sort of upset me slightly was because i i've made that costume and the 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 fabrics made from shows up the slightest bit of dirt on it it's like it's almost plush um so i was thinking the poor costume person after this horribly mucky mucky fight it must (laughs) and it must have been horrendous to get clean and you just know there's only one one yes. outfit. They, they, they weren't spares. No, there wouldn't have been any spares on this. This this, this was the one. And it's interesting as well that um, you get some nice shots of him with the uh, the sleeveless tunic off. Mm. Um, and you can see that, that, again, everyone's wearing horrible jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I must make mention as well of Villa's and Talent's horrible jumpsuits in this. They are awful. Yeah, and you can see some lovely close-ups of the the stitching, and it's not. It's these have obviously been knocked up in a bit of a hurry. I reckon they're not up to the BBC's normal uh, sort of costuming quality. I don't think. Hmm. But but yeah, it's um it upset me that his costume was being treated with such disdain. (laughs) We've said this before. When you're a prop maker or a, um, an outfit maker, you're looking with different eyes to a normal viewer, yeah. aren't you? Oh, to the to the point, and this this brilliantly sums it up. 
I've never noticed before that the uh, Scorpio communicators are meant to open like Star Trek communicators. So when Dana's using one at the beginning, she flips open the front of the communicator and is talking to that. that. And then go back and watch it. It's the scene where um, Avon's trying to talk to them at the beginning and uh, they're not... He's having a sort of one-way conversation with Aurak and they're not here. And she flips open the communicator. Um, so she's holding it almost like a communicator, so strapped down on her hand. Flips open the panel and talks into it and then closes it at the end. I've oh. never seen that before. That was a function oh. I've never I known. That. Yeah. Is, that, is that the bit of the communicator that's got a little grill? There's like that's a it, little yeah. Grill with like a, so a grill and a little, yeah, a little um, uh, sort of tapered... Um, bend in the top of it and it opens oh, yeah right. and it opens up so yeah I'd, so F, you learn something new every time you watch these episodes oh, yeah. it's amazing I'll have to find that and screenshot yeah. it and put it on the Facebook page yeah. alright really but Avon yeah he, he's getting dirty in the quarry he's being chased by some swamp castle characters you know all fake yeah. beards and woolly coats and crossbows yeah. um, so he runs around for a little bit we go back to Villa and Villa says there's a voice recognition panel on the wall and he he's not sure about it and I'm pretty sure he's not sure about it because that's clearly 20th century circuitry I mean that's just bog standard resistors on a circuit board yeah stuck in a um a a standard uh, project box hmm. you know we we used to sell them when I used to work for Macklin and uh, we used to sell them all the time, little aluminium project boxes, and you can tell because of the four screws in the corner. Yeah, put, and it's the, put, put yeah. thing on. <laughs> so it's nice to know that they've survived into whatever century this is. Might yeah. we worth getting some shares in that, I think. I think maybe, um, you know, in an alternative Blake 7 universe, Maplins didn't fold. And no, it became the Terran Empire. <laughs> well, it's a bit like, you know, in yeah. Demolition Man, where um, um, Taco Bell have taken over all the restaurants. Maybe Maplin, Maplin actually, that's not a bad name for a planet um, yeah. in Blake 7, Maplin, the planet Maplin. Planet Maplin, they turn up, it's closed. Bad luck. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, we go back outside and, yeah, Avon's being chased around the Budlia and uh, contacts Aurak. And we only hear Aurak's side of the conversation yes. in the base, which is a nice little touch. You, you you wouldn't hear Avon's voice. And he's saying that there's only an 11% chance of the teleport working, so he won't teleport him. Um, and Avon gets captured, and his bracelet's turned into tinfoil, and it gets crushed. Yes, yeah, it, um, it becomes a cheap vac form, pale imitation of itself, doesn't it? Um, it's, uh, interesting that Avon really, I mean, it fits in with sort of Terminal and what he did to the, the crew there, but he, he's not really a team player in this one, is he? He's, he's, he's off he's to one side, on isn't he? Yeah. Which is we'll quite, see that I, I later quite, on, though, yeah. won't we? We will, yeah. He's, this is definitely a broken Avon. Hmm. We said before, didn't we, when we were talking about rescue, you know, he's unhinged. He's starting to um, lose it. You know, I think it is. It is as a result. And it's the the responsibility of what he was responsible for. Can we put his uh, horrible sexist um, bits later on down to him being unhinged? Make us feel better. It would make us feel better, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll do that. We'll do that. Back inside, Orak denies that he's being difficult. It's 
always rodents of one sort or another. I'm a growing lad, Villa. Rats are not the answer. Yes, but Orak, can you get a fix on him? The locator-fixing device was an integral part of his transceiver, which is no longer operating. Problem? Something's happened to Avon, and Orak's being difficult. I am not being difficult, but functioning according to request. What happened to the transceiver? It is no longer functioning. Yes, but why? There is a 72% probability that it was damaged by a hostile agency. What was the last thing he said? He requested immediate teleportation. But the teleport doesn't work. Precisely. All right, give us a fix on Avon's last known position. Grid 290 by 428. And they check the scanners and they find the tinfoil bracelet. Uh, the yep. swamp castles drag Avon away, watched by three women who we're going lucky. to ignore today. Yeah, it was lucky that that scanner was close by and could get a downward could shot. Could zoom in, yes, yeah. <laughs> and zoom in, yeah. Now, again, because technology moves on, we could almost now, you could fill in if you want and go, oh, it must be like a drone system, and it's flying mm. about. But back then, of course, it would have just been a... You'd look Camera on gone, a pole. Oh, yeah, what a, silly, what a silly shot that is. Yep, yep. Um the, the women, they're watching him being dragged off, and he sort of goes round a corner, and you never actually see where Gunsar and everybody lives. I'm assuming it's caves. It's not a castle or anything like that. They, they, I think they're just in caves or something. Well, it doesn't really... I mean, I, while I was watching this, I was also thinking of the episode Headhunter. And they... they I mean, they, they put a line at the end of this where... Um, they say, oh, we'll, we'll move away, far away from here, so that we never have to appear on camera again. And uh, I was thinking, how does this fit in? Because they don't like technology, and they're, they're either frightened of it or they break So how does, where's that water mill that is in yes. pretty good shape? Where's that in this? Why have, why have the, uh, the homics not found that? Mm. Are they scared of bridges? You know, did that scare them? A small, a small it's the devil's bridge. work. A bridge is the yeah. devil's work. Yeah. Yeah. Don't cross it. Perhaps there's a bridge keeper that asks them what their favourite colour is, yes. and they 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 don't know. It's like, don't don't ask him. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah. Oh, th- this show is becoming rife with Monty Python. It, it really is. is. In fact, a couple or, of these beards, I think, were the it's man, weren't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You're, actually, you're right. We never see an external shot of nope. They just appear up. outside in the quarry. Each time yeah. they go outside, they're just there, aren't they? It can't be caves because when when they when you go internal, they've got walls and yeah. uh, a med bay and silver foil bits stuck on it again. Mm. Where is it? I do not know. Also, but... also, how does this fit in with Dorian? Because Dorian's been there for what well, a couple of hundred years. Number. Yeah. And Did Pella knows all about Dorian. Pella yeah. has dealings with Dorian. Yeah. Did do you think Dorian? Because they made they mentioned that they used to be one tribe, and then something happened, uh, like two hundred years ago or something. They, I, I, I made maybe Dorian started it when well, he that's arrived. What I'm thinking, yeah, because he was a bit he's a bit sexist as well, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Perhaps he, right. uh, he insisted that the everyone wear jumpsuits, and they all went, no, nope, not doing that. That started the war. Mm. Yeah, the, the the great jumpsuit war of O2. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever this is and wherever it is, inside it, we've got today's character and he's getting a back massage. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, oh, he's a toned man, isn't he? Oh, I've, I've got here 
topless, yeah. pasty, and podgy. That just yeah. about sums him up, doesn't it? It does, and uh, and just laughed out loud. It's like, really, is that the best shot they could get? Topped by, as you say, a lovely wig as well. Yes, topped by a lovely nylon wig. Um, <laughs> but I do like that um, he's almost playing it as a northern Monty Python character, isn't he? It's he he's 20th century. He hasn't he hasn't yeah. adjusted yeah. for any sort of like you know uh, time shift at all. He's <laughs> he could be in Coronation Street or anything. Yeah, yeah he um like I say he reminded me of you know like uh, in any any sort of 1970 sitcom you've always always got the next door neighbour that's sort of the 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 Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble situation, isn't it? That you always yeah. got like the the Barney character that's ostensibly friends with the main character but fears his wife more and it just reminds me so much of that the way this this guy is playing it is very much as if avon was the next door neighbor and come in to say could i you know could i borrow your fishing tackle or whatever and he's playing it in the same way and i found it hilarious and i i, I was like oh i'm going to enjoy this bit i'm going to enjoy gunsar Enjoy is the right word, and we're going to have an audio clip of when Avon is brought in. And just like I said last episode, very often, you know, it's very hard to actually edit down a clip. So um, we're going to go ahead with the clip now, okay? And uh, it's quite a long one because it, it, it is one of the highlights of this story. Sir, we have the intruder. His equipment and gun. Oh, bring him in, bring him in. Let's see what you've got. Bring him in. Well, don't just stand there, woman. Bring meat, ale. You have a fetching way with women. Who are you to address me like some joker? My name is Avon. I don't care what you call yourself. I am Gunsar, chief of the Homics. I rule by right of challenge. Which means I'm the biggest, toughest, meanest son of a Seska on this planet. I believe you. You'd better. What's the tally of challenges? Twenty-five dead and one missing, sir. Oh, come on, Cato, don't quibble. Marquin fell backwards off the cliff. Yes, sir. So he's dead. Like, you can't say someone's missing as such, not when they've taken a dive into a bottomless gorge. No, sir. So, it's twenty-six dead. The council ruled it was 25, sir, and one missing. 25 men lie dead who tried to stand against me. And one, if he's not still falling, is no more than a greasy spot on the rocks, right? Impressive. You killed two men. If I'd known we were keeping score, I would have brought more ammunition. What were you doing on my land? Your land. With instruments and tools, speaking devices, a petroscope. You know what it is? What were you looking for? Some crystals, nothing of any consequence. What crystals? Dynamon. Dynamon? Dynamon? You look like a man. You smell like a man. So, so, what do you want with Dynamon? And it's pantomime time again 
What with the whole I am Gunsar, chief of the homics, I rule by the right of challenge, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's definitely we're into Panto season again. Mm hmm. And I like the squabble between him and his second in command. Like you say, when he said his name's Kato, you know, you expect him to go, yeah. Kato. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It was, and when he said his name, and Anne goes, Did he say Kato? It's like, I think he did. It's like, Oh, dear. That's connotations you don't want. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, but I like this squabble about how um, it's 25 dead and one missing. Um, and about yeah, how falling brilliant. backwards off that's of a cliff genius. must count. Because yeah. that's what, in real life, you, this is probably, we're, we're running it down, but this is probably more accurate to how a medieval court would have happened in real life than, say, Game of Thrones, where everyone's being very noble and mm. everyone's proclaiming things. It's going to be people arguing about stuff like this, isn't it? Because it, people are people, I think. Hopefully yeah. they are. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was this. And and especially like Paul Darrow's, the look on his face. I know. when It was <laughs> just priceless. Because the squabblings are happening in the background and in the foreground, ground, you've got a profile shot of Avon. <laughs> While Gansar's saying, yeah, you know, uh, the 26, if he isn't still falling, is a greasy smear on the bottom of a canyon. Yeah, I, uh, I, I got the feeling at this point, Avon worked out that these are not really any threat. Gansar recognises Avon's petroscope and asks what he was looking for. Um, and then finding out that it's Dynamon that Avon's after, he, he goes on that Avon looks like a man, smells like a man. What does he need Dynamon for? Yeah, um, this and this this little sequence here, it's sort of strange. So A, it's another crystal that that comes into the script. It's like, what what is it with Blake 7 and crystals? It's um, Doctor Who um, as well, though, yeah. isn't it? It's not just That's Blake true, yeah. 7, it's Doctor Who as well. Is it because well. crystals are... Uh, intrinsically sci-fi if that's a word um yeah, they're not real like... world it's not sci-fi no. but they are they're, 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 they're otherworldly you know you don't get them in the real world so i guess so yeah everything's yeah, got to be it's... channeled through a crystal i suppose it's it's the other thing of if it were if it wasn't a crystal what other natural thing could they possibly want so that it's like a bit of tree bark wouldn't wouldn't sort of do the same, would it? A I bit of moss. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see the uh, the Scorpio running on bits of old tree bark, <laughs> having a boiler in it. But uh, well, it ended up surrounded by tree bark. It was impaled. That's true, yes. On, yeah. on tree bark. It, yes, yes. It ended up in in the trees, definitely. Um, and the other thing, this petroscope, is that like, is that is there two devices? One a petroscope and one a shepscope. Oh, very good. Uh, a little, little joke there for the, the older For the years. Blue Peter fans, yes. <laughs> Anyone Blue outside Peter the UK fans, might yeah. be uh, a bit puzzled right yeah, now. Yeah. Very good, Ian, very again, good. He's, yeah. he's lost his mind again. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame, actually, that this petroscope isn't that car aerial that he had in the yeah, in the first season, because at least we'd have a name for it then, wouldn't we, instead of just car aerial? Yeah, well, perhaps we should call it that. We should call the car aerial, the, that's the Shep scope. We should call no, no, or we can call it a Halford scope. Halford scope, yeah. Halford scope, yes. Yeah, yes. it's um, it is yeah this, and this also leads into that Gunsar. He's quite, he's quite okay with modern stuff, isn't he? Mm. In in this little, this is where it starts. But then later on, which we'll get to, I, it, it, Kato, the sort of story changes. 
again the the whole the whole script is very sort of schizophrenic isn't it in that in in even this little bit it's not it doesn't quite flow consistently I do wonder if this is the original script or or was the script editor, you know, making tweaks and changes and stuff like that. Because, yeah, it it contradicts itself all the way through, doesn't it? Yeah, this does feel like two separate scripts bolted together. Or perhaps that's a a bit unfair, two scripts, but two ideas. Mm. It's almost like because, again, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall at these script meetings. Was it because season four was sort of that there was no planning for it but there was a, a, a enough time i think to to get stuff done but they it does feel like they're they're definitely going oh god what what didn't we use it is a, is an idea about um uh, women being the weaker sex oh and i've got an idea about them needing something let's tape them together yeah it feels like that doesn't it yeah, but just this notion, you know, that uh you know you you, you have this uh society that um, you know, is almost medieval, but there's computers, and he knows about computers, and he fears computers, but he knows the name of these things. He thinks later on we find out that he considers it all magic, but he knows what a petroscope is. Well, that's not yeah, magic. We... Magic is a magic wand. That's not a magic wand. And if it was a magic, yeah. if he thought it was a magic wand, he would call it a magic wand or a boomstick or something like that, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would call I it a that, petroscope. That, yeah, that's very technical. I think if he'd have said. Um, a magic box or even a magic device but I mean that's sort of pushing it it doesn't fit with with everything else we see no, no. in this episode that I mean spoilers for people that, that haven't seen it yet um, why haven't you seen it go and watch it it's good fun um, so Kato later on definitely says that he's keeping the technology as a secret from uh, from Gunsar hmm so what was he just keeping the 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 way it Bits works a secret? Yeah, yeah. You can hear you, you can hear Cato saying that's a petroscope, but not Gunsar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If if Cato would have said he you know he has a petroscope, and then Gunsar looks at him and Cato goes a magic box. Oh, yeah, you know, it, that would that would have been, been nice brilliant. Yeah, yeah, a magic box, my lord, or something like uh, that. Yeah. yeah, and that would have that would have. See, see, we're rewriting this, and much better. So you, you make Cato <laughs> your Merlin figure. Yes, he's the magician, not just another guy in a, a dodgy nylon wig. He's the magician. So, so Gunsard doesn't know what this device is. He, he hand, you know, he says to Cato, "What's this?" And Cato, under his breath, says, "Oh, petroscope. It's a magic box, my liege." That. Yeah, that would have done it, create, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're creating mystery then. You think, oh, wow, this, this is this guy from that tribe? Is he an alien? You know? Yeah, it it would have been so much better. But no, I again, I I don't know. I'd love to have been there to see. Do you think any of this stuff was raised? And they just said, "I'll oh, just get on with it. I'll just say your lines." I, what I find frustrating with Blake Seven is when you compare it to Doctor Who. Doctor Who had such a just a, a massive amount of background footage and tales and everything. You know, every Doctor Who story, you know, you've got a ton of extras, you know, because it was all recorded. But yeah. there yeah. doesn't seem to be anything for Blake Seven where you do have script meetings and stuff like that documented. Yeah, no one, no one seemed interested in documenting any of this. Like, say, Doctor Who, I mean, you, you had, like, the where they would, in, you know, for like Talents of Wen Chang, they would film the script means. I know it was for a, a BBC Two program, a documentary they were doing on it, um, the Lively Arts one. But 
I've never seen anything like this. You, uh, uh, there's a, a few behind the scenes clips, isn't there, on the DVD box set? Yes. But they're not. I, I get the feeling a lot of them are only they've only survived because they've like put on the Christmas tape and things like that where stuff yes, goes wrong. Yeah. Or, but you don't. There's no documentation, and I mean, you get there's things like the the program guide, the Blake Seven program guide, uh, the old book, and it it doesn't really go into any detail of making the program. No. Nope. Whereas Doctor Who ones is like you you know every detail, don't you? They'll they'll go off and speak to special effects guys and they'll go off and speak to the director and they'll speak to the script guy and you know yeah i'd love to know it do you think the reason it's not is the bbc only had one documentary team and they were busy on doctor who and they didn't have time to go (laughs) to the other studio and 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 do the blake seven stuff yeah it could be it's interesting isn't it that (coughs) pardon me that um the way the two programs were treated because i know Blake Seven. I mean, we we we're continually calling it a children's program, and it wasn't. It went out. It was an adult program, and it went out at a, a family tea time slot. You know, it was Doctor Who was definitely. It went out in the children's sort of slot mm. on a Saturday afternoon. Even though, I mean, you say that to fans, and they'll poke you in the eye with their <laughs> plastic sonic screwdrivers. But yeah, it's called called a character Doctor Who in front of them. That's a good laugh. Um, uh, they treated it so differently, didn't they? It's almost as if, and again, this sounds terrible, as if they treated it as a just another drama. So there's mm. no documentation. There's no, 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 nothing was kept. Nothing was treated with any reverence, really. No. Perhaps, it is, perhaps, it is perhaps such a shame. A Blake, yeah, perhaps, perhaps if there'd have been like a, a Blackpool Blake 7 exhibition, mm. yeah, perhaps these stuff might, you know, it is, it's a great shame because it's, I find that period especially the BBC, it's fascinating how this stuff was made and the decisions that went on. And to me, that's almost more interesting now than the programmes. Yeah. That, you know, because the programmes you've... There's, I mean, there are surprises in there. And as we're re-watching this and for lesser episodes, we know it's like, ooh, like this this episode in particular, Gunsar, we were, you know, we were happy to write him off. And now we're thinking, ooh, actually, he's quite interesting. Mm. Um, but... What I'd love to see behind the scenes. Did the directors yeah. have much? You know, was it just another job of work to them? Or maybe like, that you know the time schedule was much tighter yeah, than say on Doctor tight, Who, yeah. and they just didn't have time to do anything. You know, I mean, yeah, on, on 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 the uh, DVD extras, you know, you have those. Uh, there's a small amount of documentaries, the contemporary documentaries that were yeah. done at the time, where you know somebody will go to the sound effects uh, suite or. Uh, a, a feature on Matt Irvin's model work and stuff yeah. like that, and and they are fascinating because, as you say, they are contemporary. They are of They're his time. Shots, they? They're a little time capsule. Yeah, and you and you're looking in the background when Matt Irvin's there. Yeah. You're looking to see what's on the shelves in the background and stuff like that. You know, there should be more, and it's just a, such a shame that there isn't. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's like, you, like you said, with the Doctor Who story, even even sort of a lot of the early ones, you've got such a photographic record as well mm. whereas blake seven you've got like the the season publicity ones and screen grabs and that's that's sort of it isn't it it's, yeah I'm so many of the model you... work the model work you know yeah. the, the the guest craft yeah you've only got screenshots to go by you don't see yeah. them in the studio yeah you've got the london and and a couple of others but all the others you know it's like yeah you know oh, i'd love them. to see i'd love to see shots of them yeah how big they are what they look like how you know, 
perhaps it's just us. Perhaps we're just sad old modelers. No one else is interested. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to think there are more than just you and me, Ian. Um, well, I hope so. Otherwise, we're really wasting our time here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. If you are, please drop into the Facebook page and tell us you're out yeah. there. We're not all alone, if, are we? Yeah, and if you happen to have a stash of behind-the-scenes photos... <laughs> or the actual you know, models... Or the models, yeah. yeah. If, you've, if you've got one in your cupboard and you're thinking, um, I'm going to chuck it out, think of me and Eric. Yes. <laughs> all right, let's fast-forward a bit. Um, Gunsar yes. is now wearing a fetching silver top made out of oh. some sort of foam. Um, yeah. I, I, I never, ever liked this in the 70s. It's clearly foam, it's, but it's been sprayed silver. Are we actually meant to believe that these are metal garments that Gunsar is I, wearing? I think so, because, yeah, I think I think that was the BBC thing at the time, wasn't it? Spray something silver, it's therefore metal. No, it's mm. not. <laughs> no. Yeah, this doesn't I, convince at all. This looks like something out of Top of the Pops rather than a, yeah. a medieval um, Smithies, you know, practice. <laughs> I don't. I don't care how crappy TV reception was, or how small my my black and white portable was. That's foam. You know, <laughs> there's yeah. no disguising that that is foam. Um, which makes you wonder where do they get this foam from? You know, this almost medieval society. Who is producing the foam to be made into these foam outfits? Yeah. Well, perhaps there's a ye olde medieval workshop just around the corner that we don't see, and they've got like foam making skills and mm. yoldy cosplayers <laughs> cutting up foam mats to make <laughs> it is it's a it is yeah. it is a modern day cosplay outfit that's yeah. exactly what you do you go and get your foam mats from halfords there's halfords again um yeah. and yeah you make your costume and spray it silver you do yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I mean that that's one of my i know and again it's it's this this dichotomy between we know it's a tv program we know it's a film and what rankles and i even on big budget films where you see people wearing armor and then it bends as they move now i know mm. what you know that you don't want to injure your actor when he's doing something but i think they should suffer for their art put them in real armor <laughs> <laughs> be proper acting then won't it yeah yes. yeah, you know, yeah it yeah, would but... help their performance <laughs> gansar says dynamon is rare so rare there isn't any great game yeah, <laughs> it's Good a great so you want dynamon crystals? Yes. They're rare. So I've been told. So rare, there aren't any. What there was have all been dug up. Right? I'll take your word for it. Anyway, they're useless. Expensive baubles for the ladies. So, why do you want them? My computer suggested they might be useful. Huh, your computer? Not your books, or your mates, or your woman, or your assistant, but your computer. You talk to computers. You understand computers. Don't you? Watch what you're doing, you snivelling sack of offal! So, you want to be number 27? Don't you mean number 26? And, you, you know, it is, it's what you were saying earlier, it's it's this guy, it's his delivery. He could be just down the pub, you know, he's yeah. not making any attempt to be otherworldly or indeed medieval. He's a guy that you would talk down the pub. Yeah, I, um, when I, when, when I remember when this was first done, and um, I sort of thought he was a bad actor. 
Mm. But he's not. I loved. I love what he's doing here, and it's got. It's got to be a conscious choice. I think. It must. The more be. I think about it, I think this is. The, he's chosen a conscious choice. Now I know it, it, a lot of people might see it as taking the Mickey out of it, things like. That, but I loved it. I love this. That he's just. He's as we would be if we were plunked in a medieval mm. sort of situation. I think because whenever there's a tendency, whenever it becomes like medieval or or alien medieval. Everyone starts talking like Shakespeare plays, don't they? They start yeah. enunciating and speechifying, and and this guy, he's he's talking exactly <laughs> like you would expect a normal person to talk. And yeah. I, I think it's I I think it's it's reaching genius. I, I I'm sort of falling in love with this character. Yeah. In this show, at this moment, when you were watching it for the very first time, if you turned that whacking right big button that was on the front of your TV and moved it two places across to, to ITV and Coronation Street was on, you would have somebody talking just like this in the Rover's yeah. Return in Coronation Street. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I would slap your fingers if you did it, because I'm watching it. <laughs> don't, be, don't be putting your Coronation Street on. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This, is, this, is, this almost goes into like meta-realism doesn't it it's it does i think this is what this is what annoys me with this episode though these bits are brilliant and then the other bits are and equally where where this is going up the brilliant scale that's going way down the oh my goodness that yeah. shouldn't have been made scale yeah yeah all right well gunsar he 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 says that they're baubles for the ladies, and yeah. Avon says his computers says that they might be useful. And that's when Gunsar sneers at him. It's like, oh, you've got computers. You talk to computers, don't do you? And that's when Avon says, don't you? And we get a sideways glance at a computer yes. on the wall. Yeah. You know, it's again, contradicting what we're going to find out later, that he believes this is all magic. But he doesn't question this box with flashing lights on the wall in his room. Yeah. And again, you could have had it lovely where where Avon mentions my computer finds it useful, and Gunsar looks over at uh, Kato, and Kato mouths, you know, uh, Seer or Oracle, and he goes, "Ah, oh, you talk to Oracle." It it would have you could have mined this for so much more. Mm. But again, perhaps they just didn't have the time. I don't know. I, I don't know. All I do know is that when Avon says, "Don't you," um, uh, we don't get his answer because Nina. Um, Gunsar's lady spills his drink and this is when we get yeah. our first uncomfortable moment of the story mm. as he basically he he's going to thump her isn't he yeah yeah and it and again it it doesn't fit with what we later find out you from Gunsar you could you could sort of rationalize it that he's doing it in front of his men I mean they don't seem too interested to be fair no. <laughs> they stood there bored stupid um but later on, you know, we we find out more about him and his relationship uh, with her, and it it's une it fits uneasily even in that, but it's mm. more so in the, especially with what happens later with Avon, it oh, it's just it. It doesn't feel it's, right. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? And and yeah. and luckily it doesn't happen because Avon steps in yes. and and stops him. And Gunsar says, "Oh, so you want to be number twenty-seven?" To which Avon comes back with don't you mean number 26 yeah, which brilliant. is good come on just wind him up and watch him yeah. go yes <laughs> yeah a a avon's really good in these bits as well i think yes he is yeah. in these bits yeah. he is yes yeah. yeah um so preparations are made for this challenge avon's taken elsewhere in the quarry to this open area where there's a big stone slab 
with lots of uh, medieval weapons out out of the BBC's medieval department again, and yeah. uh, and a couple of these freestanding boxes nearby, which we don't really notice to begin with, but they're going to be important in a minute. Uh, Gunsar now has a lovely top knot on. And, yeah, uh, is that is that because? I presume it's it's to make the wig easier to stay on or something, or it might have been a windy yeah. day that day, yeah. so they've got to tie yeah. it up. You know, you can't have it blowing off or, or falling off during the uh, yeah, know, ultra realistic off, uh, yeah. uh, combat sequence that's just about to come up. Yes, the hyper realistic. Uh, indeed, yes. Yeah. Gunsar, you know, he goes into another one of his speeches, part of which he forgets. I am Gunsar, slayer of Maverick. Lord of the Homics. I rule by the strength of my right arm and by my left arm and by the... When Gunsar dies in combat, the victor is Lord. I've got to say all that. Tradition. Well, old Maverick was 63. He had it coming anyway. Gunsar will live! Gunsar will live! Pick a weapon. I'll have a neutron blaster. No neutron blasters. In that case, I'll have a glove. A glove? A glove. Brilliant. Yeah, I love this carry-on style at its best, isn't it? It's... It is carry-on. Yeah. It is Monty Python, you know. Yeah. It is totally, you know, Graham Chapman could be saying these lines, yes. definitely, yeah. you know, and, and you know, uh, Kenneth Williams. <laughs> Anybody yes. could be saying yeah. this. Yeah. It's, de- it's like the Friends, Romans, Countrymen. I know! I know! Yeah. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Because it is, it's the, oh, I've got to say all that bit. Yeah. That he, he just confides in Avon. He's, he doesn't have to, but he sidles across to Avon. He's, oh, I've got, sorry about that. I've got to say all that apology, you know. It's, um, I feel, I feel like I, I would like them to become friends. Yeah. I like, I like Gunstar enough that I say, oh, I, I wish they were friends. They're getting on but really well. But they could well. have been, you know. If, if, yeah. if you didn't have the other half of this story, if you didn't have this War of the yeah. Sexes story, Gunsar and his men could have stayed on Zenon, you know, and maybe being an aide to Ava, yeah. Avon. I don't know how. Maybe, oh, you know... Blake would have been trying to recruit him, wouldn't he? He'd have been, yeah, to, he would. have been perfect for his little, uh, his rebellion. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But instead, he, he asks Avon to choose a weapon, a weapon, and Avon says that he'll have a neutron blaster. Yeah. And I love the uh, fact that Gunsar actually has to consult to, to yeah. see if they actually have got a new job. It's blaster. brilliant. That's so good. <laughs> I love that. It's just a little throw. I bet that was worked out on, you know, on, on the day or something. But a lot yeah, of these lovely, things. Lovely. Yeah, that, they're ad-libbed. I'm sure yeah. they're ad-libbed, you know. <laughs> but well, the rest uh, of the script doesn't show this level of wit, does it? So oh, if it had, to... you know, if we haven't got, you know, the, 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 the Pella segments the seskia segments you know if yeah. it was all on the level of oh, this, this, would, this would then you would there, remember this story yeah for season yeah. four you would remember this far far more fondly wouldn't you yeah you would Definitely. but instead he, he goes oh in that case i'll have a glove and i love guns so he goes a glove yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's given a studded rubber one which is handy considering what he's going to do with it in a minute um, yeah, it, at- it is yeah if they'd have given him a nice cotton one he would have been knackered wouldn't he Yes, yeah, he's a bit lucky there, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Gunsar chooses like like the biggest sword that we've got, and we've got an, a very unconvincing fight start. Um, not convincing in the slightest. 
No, it, especially because it's on location. So you thought they would have again. Perhaps they were only on location for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a dirty fight, but only in so far as it's dirty. It's not. It's not a. You know, it's not. It's not a, a well done fight. No. And what you were saying there about Gunsar's men being bored, they couldn't be more yeah. bored because you've just got to go on, Gunsar. Go on, yeah, Gunsar. Yeah. And they're just standing there. They're not doing anything. It's just, go on, Gunsar. Go on, Gunsar. <laughs> Extras in Blake 7, generally not great, are they? they... No. I wonder if it's because, I mean, filming is boring, isn't it? If anyone's mm. ever, ever thinks it, people think it's glamorous, go and visit a, a film set or watch someone filming, it's deathly dull. Um, so I wonder if they are, are they actually bored or was the, their direction you're bored because the men are bored? I don't, yeah. it's hard to tell. <laughs> it's hard to tell, isn't it? But Avon, he reaches one of the boxes, opens it, pulls out a cable and fires. I've been thinking about this. Is this the worst laser effect in the history of Blake 7? Well, because it is pretty new... bad. That's a new tally for you. Is the worst <laughs> laser effect. I mean, this yeah. is this would be up there. This is. I mean, it, not only is it a poor laser effect. I love the fact that the actor playing Gunsar is holding the sword together, <laughs> and then he doesn't just let go of it. He flicks it and it almost throws. <laughs> he, it. It, he does. It's, yeah, it's not at all convincing. Not not in the not in the slightest. And I'm thinking if we did do Italian, if we had the like top five, top ten worst laser effects, I've got a feeling that all gonna be in season four. Yeah. It's this video effect thing again, isn't it? It's yeah. it's appalling, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, um yeah, it's a bad effect. It it's supposed to blow Gunsar's Gunsar's sword off its hilt, but it's not, is it? It's thrown. Um because apparently Avon's got an ordinary domestic helio fusion rod. Yeah, domestic mm. through me. That's weird, yes. isn't it? It's it's, at, it's in the middle of yeah. a quarry, but it's a domestic, domestic. heliofusion rod. Yeah. So who who's living close by that Avon's yes. just ruined their Sunday dinner? Yes. Because this he's, is a, he's taken yeah. This isn't an industrial thing. one. This is a domestic one. Domestic. Yeah. Mm. Weird. Mm. Do you know, I wonder if that was in the script, <laughs> or whether that's just uh, they they've he said the wrong word and they've gone. Ah, oh, well, it'll be all right. Well, you say wrong word. I mean, it's it's Ben Steed writing this, so we get helio fusion rod. If this was Terry Nation, it would be a space rod, wouldn't it? Yeah, it it would be a a, a, a yeah a, a space electrical box or yeah <laughs> helio helio. Yeah, Let's look so, at what that word means. Yeah. Gunsar's there, looking kind of like appalled, and Avon yeah. says how all the people have you know they've got underground heat and light and power, and they never wonder where it came from. Uh, before he's uh, promptly knocked out. Yeah, which, again, fits in with what we find out later, but doesn't fit in with what we've just found out. No, no. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Right, we're going to fast forward right past Avon meeting Pella, um, yep. and, and we're going to go back to Gunsar. And when we go back to Gunsar, he's doing embroidery. Uh, the, the, this, I love this. This is a brilliant sequence. Where he's just for no no <laughs> real reason, he's just doing his crochet. You know, he's yeah, he's doing his embroidery, he's repairing something, he's making something. I, it's lovely. I think that's so nicely done. This is the this is the nice gunsar. This is the gunsar yeah. that I like. Not this not is the, the domestic gunsar. This is the domestic, yeah. not the not 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 the women beating gunsar no. that we uh, just saw a minute ago because. 
straight after that, you know, he has an exchange with Nina, and it's he's actually quite sweet, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, you get the feeling these two do love each other. Do you think then that it is a show for his men? This first one, you know, but but they it could have been, but they could have they could have shown that. Mm. I mean, we do get a lot of of extra long dull bits in this, so it's not like they couldn't have trimmed something to just have a um, like he, he, at the beginning of this scene, he could have apologised to her and said, "Yes, you know, I've got to do that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I would it have liked. It would have been nice in this scene is if his men then came in and he, he hurriedly has to yeah. hide his embroidery under a cushion or something. Yeah, brilliant. That, that would work. Yeah, so they, they come in and he yeah, yeah, throws, yeah. throws it to her and says, get on with your sewing woman, woman's work. Yeah, I you found know, this, which, yeah. Which is that I could accept if this, if this episode would have made the point that they're sort of not sending up domestic violence, but they're showing how bad is our then i again i think you could go you could you could respect the majority of this episode Mm. but it's not and it wouldn't have taken much to change it no like you say just a few script changes just a line here or there and and yes you could have you 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 could have changed the tone of this well one half of this story completely yeah yeah but avon meanwhile has found the computer room Security alert. Intruders at AF-43. Approach and apprehend. Interesting. How did you find this place? There had to be a computer room. But it's... Concealed. Yes. But then I've had a little experience in these things. Oh, by the way, I shouldn't rely too heavily on your security. It has... weaknesses. Gunsar. Gunsar doesn't know, but Gunsar doesn't know a lot of things, does he? He is our leader. And a very good one, if a little... Stupid? Well, I didn't like to say it. He thinks we have scouts posted everywhere and runners. Impractical, so why do you keep up the illusion? For the homics? The people. If they see this, they'll want more. Hydroponic food, machines, neutron blasters. And you don't have them to give? Because your civilization died a long time ago. Yes. What killed it? A war. Everything was lost. Industry, people. Afterwards, the Council of Survivors decreed that we should start again. From the very beginning. Wooden tools, flint arrowheads, the wheel. 10,000 years advancement destroyed in a day. And this? Overlooked. It's self-maintained. Powered by our sun, it will last forever. This generation, even Gunsar, believes it to be some kind of magic that keeps the chambers light and warm. A computer is like some ancient god to them. What about the Seskas? The Seskas? Why do you... And we find out from Kato that, as I say, Gunsar thinks there's very little technology. And it's, it turns out Kato is the one who's running everything himself. Yeah. Which, again, if they'd have made him like a little Merlin figure, hmm. would have worked perfectly. You know, he's the, he's the Wizard of Oz. He's behind the curtain making everything work. And everyone else thinks it's magic. But it's, hmm. all, it's all very pedestrianly. 
It's like, oh, you've got a computer room, which seems but, to their computer cores seem to be uh, disco lights, don't they? <laughs> behind <laughs> behind yeah. uh, plastic panels. There's yeah. a lot of disco lights in this show, yeah. but but the thing is, if Kato is the only one who gets it and he understands the technology and Gunsar and everybody else thinks everything happens by magic. What do they make of the Scorpio landing yeah. and taking off? Because it, it's only a walking... Well, one of Avon's yeah. little funny runs from, yeah. you know, Zenon base to this camp. So what did they think that was a dragon taking off? Is this some sort of monster or something every time the Scorpio lands and takes off? Yeah. it Again, though, it's this, this weird... Um, distance thing in that blake sevens i mean it suffers from this when they're in space and it seems to suffer from this when they're on zen and base that they're obviously within like literally a a, a five minute stroll or like mm. say an an avon what would what are we going to call his run a gamble <laughs> i don't know um <laughs> arms akimbo <laughs> uh but yeah that, so they're very close but then it that makes no sense either because it's like where they must know Dorian. They must see the they yes. must see the entrance to Zenon base. Do they think it's just a particularly smooth rock? Mm. Oh no, I thought of the answer. Oh, go on. When you when you see the Scorpio uh, arrive at Zenon base and take off, it's in a cliff face, isn't it? It goes in through a yeah. cliff face. So Gunsar's camp must be on the top of that cliff, some way back. So maybe the Scorpio comes in and out, and they just never see it. Because they're be. on the or top of the cliff. They think it's a particularly big heron. <laughs> and it's just nesting. So, oh, it's nesting again. Yeah, um, yeah. It's migrating. I think we've put more thought into this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've put more thought into this than the writer has. Yeah, we certainly have. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, but uh, Kato gets shot by Avon, but not by Avon, as we'll find out yeah. in the Pella episode. Um, so Lo- Lovely bit of acting from Paul Darrow this again. He does look genuinely good. shocked, yeah. doesn't he? Does, he does, yeah. He does. He, look, he looks he does. shocked and upset by it. Yeah, yeah. But as I say, we're going to skip over that bit. Uh, yep. We go back to Gunsar, who's told more intruders have been caught. The guard have brought in some more intruders. Oh, what is this, an invasion? Can't I have a minute's peace and recreation without intruders bursting in all the time? Well, don't just stand there. Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them in. What do you want? A second chance? We are from... I don't care where you're from! I am Gunsar, chief of the Homics, and I'm getting very weary of... of... Nina, where's Kato when I need him? I'll bring him. I am Gunsar, chief of all the Homics. I rule by right of challenge, and 26 lies dead. I challenge you. What? I challenge you. You rule by right of challenge, I challenge that rule. (laughs) Not one of your better ideas, Dana. Do you accept my challenge? Don't be foolish. You're. Well, you're a. A woman? Yes. Take a good look. All right, woman. You just made a very big mistake. 
much to his annoyance because yeah, he see, it's it, ruining his day, isn't it? It really is. It's ruining. It looks like he's playing three dimension dimensional chess there. Yes. Um, not only playing it, but he seems to be cheating at it, even though he doesn't seem to be playing anybody. Yeah, I like to think he he is the sort that would cheat doing like a Sudoku book himself, wouldn't he? He's going to flip <laughs> to the answer page. He's just cheating himself. Yeah. 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 But I like I like the whole what do you want and Villa goes a second chance another great yeah. line makes you wonder if if this is Ben Steed's lines you know or or is this the scriptwriter um, interjecting I'm, or I'm, what I'm willing if if anyone uh, knows Ben Steed or knows his work or I'm willing to be corrected on it but it doesn't feel like it I think this is the this is the cast knowing their characters so well mm. and feeding this in. Yeah, yeah, it, well, it, feels... it, it does feel like an ad lib, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, again, I'd love to have seen the behind the scenes filming of this. I can yeah. see, you know, them all cracking up and making this up as they go along. You know, yeah, I, I really can. But uh, yeah, he goes into his speech again, and Dana challenges him and uh, gives him a punch to uh, as yeah. a stop to it. Like and uh, yeah, and off we go again to the quarry for another bout of combat. And it's great. I mean, here here we see Dana doing what she was set up to do right at the beginning of season three, that she was this warrior, you know, yeah. and this, uh, you, you, you know, she's great at uh, unarmed combat. And here she is doing it, you know. I wish she, there'd be more of her in this. Yeah, I I mean, I'm, I can't say Dana's one of my favourite characters, but when she's used well, she's she's really good. And it's nice to see her being used for her capabilities rather than just, you know, being a damsel in distress and mm. Tarrant having to manly rescue her. Um, but something I've just thought of there is that, that <clears throat> pardon me, we, uh, so we, do you think if Avon would have been there, he would have stepped in to stop her from hitting Gunsar? No, because he, he stood and watched her throttle Clegg to death. That's true, but but he he stepped in to stop Gunsar hitting. Uh, oh, I see what his you mean. Woman. He should have. Yeah, I don't. It, it, in no way would it happen, but I think it should have, shouldn't it? He, mm. I think. Are we being two faced here? It might be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. confusing. It's confusing. This is a confu Yeah, that that's the word for this episode. It's confusing because one minute you're thinking you're enjoying it, the next you're most definitely yeah. not enjoying it. it you, you word that you use the word schizophrenic. This is a yeah. schizophrenic episode, and I cannot believe that one person wrote the entire script. Um, no, no, no. no. There, like there's all. interjections and additions and and tweaks and stuff. I'm sure of it. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Television and film is collaborative, and everyone throws their all in. But this, this really does feel like. I mean, there's some Doctor Who uh, stories where the script editor would have to almost rewrite. I mean, Douglas Adams famously rewrote a lot of them, and you can tell every line that Douglas Adams mm. has put in. And it, mm. this has the same feel to me that that either it's it's very thin, and they thought, oh, we're going to have to pad this out. Or it's very poor and they've replaced it. But the worry is if they thought it was poor and they've cut bits out and replaced it with someone else's writing, some of the stuff they left in worries me that that wasn't mm -hmm. considered mm -hmm. poor. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, yes, we've got this combat with Yay, Dana. Back to and the quarry. 
Yes, back to the quarry, and Dana wins, but Dana wins because Gunsar is thrown back by yeah. one of Pella's telekinesis moments and bashes his head on one of those boxes, and he's dead. That's the yeah. end of him. It would have been better, I think, for for the character and for the story if if she'd have won because she's a much better fighter mm. than Gunsar. Mm. That would I would that would have been yeah. I was a bit, and also the way he dies, you f- you feel that the 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 force he hits that uh, the the pillar with, he should have just got up and went ooh. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't because like, the next shot we see him, he's got blood coming out of his mouth. He's dead. And it's like, oh, he hit his head that hard. Yeah. See, uh, you're making me think there. If 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 she had won fair and yeah. square, you know, she she won by right of combat. Therefore, she's in charge. So she could then say, right, I'm 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 bestowing you know leadership to Nina. Yeah, okay. there you go. We, yeah, you've just solved another plot hole, haven't you? Yes, because with just, be, be, with just a little bit of thought on the script. Yeah. But that instead, we go inside. Nina yeah. is, comes in and you know uh, uh, is with Gunsar's body, and she says that their people will leave and find a new way of life. But everything we've learnt in this episode about you know the Homics, you know opinion and treatment of women would not allow a woman to suddenly decide right everything changes now. I'm in charge. Yeah, they 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 would either. They'd be burning her on his funeral pyre as well, mm. or they would be stabbing her and killing her and saying, "What?" Well, or they would just go, "Yeah, you're just now the property of the next king," and then mm. fight amongst themselves to see who the next king was. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work. But yeah, your idea of of that they then find themselves following like how how are they following a woman? Because how can a woman beat a man? Mm. That would that would almost been a nice little comeback for Avon's yes. horrendous men will always win because they're stronger. Yeah, yeah. That, see, they should have hired us, Eric. They should have hired us. <laughs> Let's get a time machine. Let's get in the TARDIS yes. and go back and do it. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that that's it. That's our yeah. uh, tale over. Um, question for you, Ian. Um, yes. Do you think this episode, in its entirety, I know for, for one aspect you will say yes, but in its entirety... Is it worth putting this uh, episode on the assassinator scale? Can we can we split it? No. Can we split it in half? Oh, then I don't think it. I I don't think it can because I the bits with Gunsar I really enjoyed. Mm. Cheesy as they are, I really enjoyed them. But the episode overall, if you can't fast forward it, yeah, I yeah, I think perhaps it it should be on the assassinator. Yeah. Mm. I think you might be right. It is 50-50. If it was mm. 70% Gunsar and 30% this uncomfortable, unpleasant aspect, fine. But it seems to be more 50-50, isn't it? Yeah, because the way the the way the, the, the editing is structured, you get a Gunsar scene, then mm. the other scene, then the Gunsar scene, then the other scene. They so, alternate, so you, don't they? Yeah, you could edit this down to a, like a 22-minute program that would be absolutely brilliant. And that, I think it would be up there probably in one of my top tens i really yeah. enjoyed Gunsar's Blues. but couple the other half onto it and it's right down there in my bottom yeah. episodes i think it's got to go on the list doesn't it yeah all right i think we'll so. put we'll put it on the list but is it better or worse than assassin 
that is so difficult because it depends what we're talking about. If we're talking about the overall feel of the episode, I, f- I think it's got to be worse. Mm. I think it's got to be worse than Assassin because Assassin is just incompetent. Yeah. There, there is a, a, a good story in Assassin that you could, you could make well with some better actors or just actors that cared. Um, whereas this, I, I think Patrick Stewart and, um, Anyone, any you get the best axes in the land. They this would still be objectionable. Yeah, yeah, and also, I mean, this story, um, you know, at least with Assassin, there were nuggets that were enjoyable. But the only good thing in this story is Gunsar. Not even yes. our main characters are redeemable in this. You know, they're so out of character that even that's not a positive on this one, is it? No, you, norm, normally, even in the, the, the slowest or most boring episode of Blake 7, you, you, you're you looking forward to the, the main crew, because when you cut back to them, it's like, ooh, we're back with back with the, the people we want to see. But they're not in this one. They're, no. The main cast are one of the weakest thing. I mean, Avon's got a couple of nice avon bits, but otherwise isn't very good. No. And... The rest of them don't really... I mean, Villa is... I, I like Villa's bits. Talent yeah, some of, doesn't make me want to stab him. I, uh, you know, that's... No, no. I think, uh, yeah, I think we, we agree then. It is worse than Assassin. Yes. Yeah. I, right. well, I never thought I'd hear myself say that so quickly. <laughs> but, yeah, you have. All right. Okay, right. Behind the scenes. Um, the exteriors for this episode, they were done at uh, uh, the quarry that they went to an awful lot, Betchworth Quarry in Surrey. Yeah. Um, which is a place you and I have got to go to with our tunics. Yeah. We, we, we've got I to go so. down there for maybe the birthday anniversary episode or something like that. We'll go down there and, yeah. and pose in a quarry. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, the fact that that doesn't sound mad to me. <laughs> sort of, oh, we're yeah. such fans, aren't we? We yeah. really are, yeah. Right, Gunsar himself, he was played by Dickin Asworth, which is a great name. Dickin, Dickin Asworth, yes. Um, and... It's funny, you know, we, we we were saying about, you know, he could fit into a soap, you know, like Coronation yeah. Street or something. He is like, you know, Eddie Yates in Coronation Street. He's the guy next door type. Um, he was actually in Brookside. Oh. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I can vaguely remember him in Brookside. I remember him more as Gunsar, but I do remember in Brookside his style of acting was exactly like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. Absolutely exactly the same. Uh, the, the, the startling thing for me is that I can, as I say, I can vaguely remember him in Brookside, but his character's name in Brookside was Alan Partridge. <laughs> which, you know... No relation. Yeah. Now, now you... Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that draws you up short if you see that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's how bizarre is that. I, he's another one of these actors that... While I'm watching him, I'm thinking, oh, God, you're so familiar. Where are you from? Where are you yeah. from? And I don't know whether it's just he's from this, and I just remember him from this. I think a lot of it is that. And, and also, I think, you know, I, he's done an awful lot of TV, but yeah. not genre TV. So it could be that you have seen him in things, yeah, and it's gone... And yeah, it's like. gone immediately. You, you you register, you know, his voice, his 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 face, but you don't remember it. So it could be like that. It's a bit like the Alter Two, isn't it? You know, in 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 the R White's Lemonade advert. You know, you you, yeah. you know you know uh, her from somewhere. Yeah, it could be that he has been in adverts. Definitely. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. But as I say, genre-wise, he hasn't been in much. He's only got a genre tally of four. Okay, this was his first one. Mm. Blake Seven was his first one. Um, and mm. then he was another... Yeah, he was in another uh, uh, thing that was kind of like mixing medieval with technology, which was Kroll. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Okay. I went to cinema to see that. Yeah, yeah. I don't really remember much about Kroll at all. It's, I, it's, think... um, I remember it as being um, incredibly dull, mm, despite the, the fact that it. what's in it, I think it's quite dull. Yeah, that's mm. my override in memory of it. Yeah, he, he played somebody called Bardolph. Um, but uh, no, I don't remember him in that. No. Uh, next thing was Doctor Who. Uh, he he was in that god awful one. I mean, <laughs> it, oh dear, uh, Time Lash. Oh, your favourite. Yeah. You bought that on DVD, didn't you? Did no, you get I your didn't. money back? <laughs> he played somebody called Sezon. Sezon. No, I I know that Time Lash that is set on the planet of uh, wibbly wobbly cardboard walls, and there's like a little rebellion. Right. Uh, so he could be one of the. He's got. He's got the sort of face for it, hasn't he? Isn't Time Lash the one with Paul Darrow in it? Uh, it is. Yes. So do you yeah, think there might be a, a be a scene yeah. where the two of them actually were together? I'm gonna. Have to, I'm gonna have to go. You're gonna have to watch it. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Actually, no. I don't mind Time Lash. I I have not seen it. It's not one I go out of my way to watch, but I know it's got a very poor reputation amongst Doctor Who fans. But I remember when it was in that first run, when it was first on and I was like you, cassette taping, like mad. <laughs> um, I remember it was one I, I quite liked listening to. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Last thing he was in, uh, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, where he played, well, he didn't play, he, had, he was the voice of Mr. Mulch. Okay. I don't um, know, yeah. I, I, I yeah. remember enjoying the film, but I don't, I sounds like a farmer or something, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he was a farmer. Yeah, with a name like that, he definitely yeah. is. So, yeah, genre tally of four, who tally of one. Okay. So, that's the tallies over. Um, before we finish, it's shout-out time again. Oh, very nice. We yes, like a yes. We do like a shout-out, yes. And we'd like to do more shout-outs. Guys, uh, if you want to contribute on Facebook... Um, um, Feel free. Uh, it, it's it's good to see that uh, we are um, getting a little community growing there. It would be nice for it to grow it's, more. Yes, it's nice. It's nice to get some feedback. Yes, good or yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, we don't mind. We don't mind. Um, and the shout out again is to Mark Hevingham because um. as of recording yesterday, um, <laughs> we had said on the episode just before. Uh, Avalon that we were going to be looking at our first goodie yeah. and he put up a picture of the second season goodies uh, <laughs> uh, if, if if you haven't been on our Facebook page go along and scroll down you'll find it Mark Mark put up a photo of uh, second season uh, Liberator crew with three goodies on it <laughs> and yeah, it was absolutely Gra Graham, brilliant Graham Garden looks looks like he fits right in there doesn't he I'd love to see that episode it would have been good if Goodies yeah. did do a spoof of Blake Seven. Yeah, that would have been funny. Yeah, who would Bill Oddie have been? Um, I can, I can see Bill Oddie as Serverland in that dress. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Tim, Tim Brook Taylor. Tim, Tim, Tim Brook Taylor. You know, yeah, yeah he 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 was always dressed yeah. as a woman. Yeah, he's definitely Serverland. Yeah. I think I, Bill Oddie would be Blake. Gan. Gan would be good, or Blake. Yeah. No, Graham Garden would be. No, no, Graham Garden no, Graham is Garden's perfect. Avon. 
Avon because he's the computer guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's and the scientist. And Zen would be the 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 tape the the reel to reel tape computer that they had. Or Orac. Yeah. Yeah, Orac would See, be there. See, we're just We need to. Do we're this. writing it. Come on, we've yeah. got to get that TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. Are we ever? Are we ever? When we get to the end of this and we're we're old and broken, which is like probably about two months time. Um, are we ever going to do that? Um. Johnny Vegas spoof Blake Seven. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, well, Junction Seven, yeah, Blake Junction, Junction 7, Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In our tunics, yes, yes, yes. Old and broken. I think that will be us immediately after we've discussed animals. Actually. Oh dear. It, it uh, well, I hope you're keeping that for last. Keep the best to last, they say. Yeah, we no. It's not so much that we don't want to put off our listeners. You know, no, so we true. have to save it till last. Yeah. I wonder if anyone actually likes animals. If you well, like again, animals, put it on the Facebook page. Put it on Facebook page, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, all right, okay. So, yeah, no, thank you very much, Mark. That was very nice of you to do that, to go to all the trouble of doing that. And, and it, it made me and Ian um, laugh for quite a bit. So <laughs> thank you very much. Enjoyed yes, it. yeah. All right, that's it. That's this episode over. So uh, usually we tell you what's coming up. And coming up next, we've got our third special episode. And we're going to be taking a look at the Federation Trooper. Okay, oh, so. Our favourites. So, yes, yes, yes. Expect a lot of uh, um, waffling from me and Ian over that. All right. So, yeah, stay tuned, everybody, and we'll see you next time, okay? Thanks, Ian. Bye. Bye.